0: Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land Stick to Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Tamanini, and as always, I am joined by the one and only Tia Johnston. Tia, you have some explaining to do. Oh, no. Because at the end of the last episode, I plugged your new online <laughs> thrifting Instagram store. We talked about the name. You said you part of the name was in tribute to me. Yeah. And then I get online <laughs> literally, I think, before the episode even aired. And you'd already changed the name of yeah. the handle. Like, yep. what? Is, what? <laughs> like, I'm offended a little bit. Here.
1: So, this all occurred to me after I changed the name, and it's because I was googling like how to get it more views and how to make your shop more popular, and it said it needed like a searchable username. And thanks, it's thrifted, just wasn't searchable. Like nobody no,
0: searches. No. no. Thanks, underscore, it's thrifted, yeah. underscore. <laughs> well, thank those
1: you. make it worse. So then I changed it because antiques for your home, no underscores at all, is it was available and that's something people search. So I changed it and then I was like sitting there and I was like, oh crap.
0: <laughs> I was hurt. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm so sorry. I was offended. I mean, it didn't stop me from buying two things that I absolutely don't need from you. <laughs> Um, and I don't know yeah, why thanks. I bought them. I feel like they like, they could be good presents, but like, I'm like, are they really good presents? I'm not sure. They so are. I'll, we'll, we'll see. You haven't sent them yet, but, um, yeah. but I
1: sent them in the mail today Okay, good. and they're great stocking stuffers and it's a donation to the PSPCA. So that's true. Win, win. <laughs> okay.
0: Right. If you could not tell on stick to sports, we talked about things around the periphery of Ohio state athletics, as well as the things that keep us distracted and entertain between the games. There was no Ohio State game last weekend, uh, Tia, so we're not going to talk about anything about the Ohio State football game uh, because there wasn't one. Instead, we're going to talk about the football game that had a direct impact on Ohio State's postseason chances. And that, of course was the game between the LSU Tigers and the Florida Gators. It was, on Saturday night, it was a primetime game. It was 34-34 between the lowly LSU Tigers and the number six ranked Florida Gators who still had an outside shot at making the college football playoff if they beat number one Alabama in the uh, SEC championship game. However, it was 34-34 with a minute 51 seconds left. LSU had the ball. It was third and 10. They were in their own uh, half of the field. They completed a pass to tight end Cole Taylor, but he was stopped after like a three, four-yard gain at the 30. They were going to have to punt. Except... Florida defensive back Marco Wilson, who was part of the tackle, somehow in the melee accidentally took off Cole's, uh, Cole Taylor's shoe. And in celebration and in what his head coach said was a football move, threw the, the the cleat 20 yards down the field, resulting in a 15-yard penalty, which led to LSU kicking what would eventually be a game-winning 57-yard field goal tia. Um, With the Florida (laughs) loss, that means that even if they beat Alabama in the SEC championship game this coming weekend, it is almost impossible for Ohio State not to make the college football playoff assuming they beat Northwestern in the Big Ten championship. If they do beat uh, Northwestern, they are, as far as I'm concerned, and I said this on Twitter immediately after the Florida LSU game, they are in the playoff. I would put all $4 in my bank account down on the fact that that they are in the college football playoff. So to celebrate Marco Wilson's um, boneheaded play, we're going to discuss the aerodynamics of different types of <laughs> shoes. I did not prep you much for this Tia. So I'm interested. I have thought a lot about what types of shoes are the most aerodynamic. So do you want me to start by going through some of mine, or do you have any thoughts or anything before we get going? Well,
1: I just want to start by saying, when you sent me, like you wrote in the show notes that you wanted to talk about aerodynamic shoes, and I just was like, sweet, not even going to ask. But the first, like, it didn't even click <laughs> as to, like, what you were talking about. I was thinking, what shoes make you the fastest? But as soon as you said the Florida LSU game, I was like,
0: oh. oh yeah. Yeah, no, 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 not like things that make you faster. Because there are those (laughs) shoes, like Nike has those random shoes that say like you can run a marathon in under two hours or whatever. No, not those. I want to know which ones actually fly the best. And I feel like Marco Wilson gave us the best example of why I think a cleat is the best. Because it's weighted on the bottom, but it's weighted equally throughout. It's a fairly compact shoe. So I think it would fly pretty easily. It would cut through yeah. the air. You can't have something that's light like a flip flop or or, um, or a like a, a like a, a running a kind of shoe. Yeah. yeah, those things won't work because they're so light. There's some weight to a cleat. It's 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 compact. I think it's pointed mostly at the at the front. You know, so the toe would actually like a plane kind of give you some right. cut through the headwinds. The question here, Tia, though. Is do you think the metal or rubber spike cleats would be best, or maybe even golf spikes? Like I, I, I have my thoughts, but what do you think might be the best spike type for an aerodynamic?
1: Okay, so like I got a C in physics in high school, so um, I
0: never took physics, so I am not a science person. So fair. I'm just gonna
1: guess rubber. I feel like metal might be too heavy, right? Yeah,
0: I I went rubber as well, not necessarily because of the the weight, but because the metal ones tend to be, especially with baseball cleats, which is what I'm most familiar with. They're like straight, uh, thin pieces of metal, whereas the rubber spikes are generally rounded. So I feel like they they would act more like. Um, The metal ones would be more like rudders, which would kind of slow the airflow around it, where the rubber ones, what I think would kind of allow wind to flow around them. So I'm going to go with rubber cleats. But here's some other ones I came up with in in thinking. (laughs) I did not think a cowboy boot would be good because it has no. the weight that a cleat does but it's so unevenly distributed that it's all on the bottom and the top just kind of like literally oftentimes just falls over. You know what I mean? Like the top of a cowboy boot if it's not super yeah, like top sure. like it'll just fall over. And the curvature of the toe in cowboy boots combined with the length at the top of the boot, I feel like if you throw it properly, it could give you a bit of a boomerang. Oh,
1: effect. like if you threw it like a frisbee.
0: Yeah, like it might, co- I could see it coming back to you, which would be very <laughs> embarrassing if you were throwing somebody's shoe after. Uh, a third down <laughs> yeah. stop if they were wearing cowboy boots. Um, so that would be bad. I thought perhaps if we're going like more traditional non-athletic shoes, like a Doc Martin could work because those are heavy but compact. Um, I think they're probably heavier than most athletic spikes, you know, athletic cleats. So I'm not sure that those would would be as good. But if we're talking about non-athletic shoes, I feel like a Doc Martin not too big, but you know a Doc Martin might be might be fairly good as well. I'm
1: thinking like an UGG boot, but the very short ones because they're kind of heavy, and then they don't have like the big you know like leg part that a cowboy boot or a regular boot has. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like throwing a football. I
0: my only con- my only con- I've never worn an UGG, and I don't know that I've ever had one in <laughs> my hand to be honest with you. But I will just say like <laughs> I'm no Tom Brady, but um. <laughs> I worry. Don't they? Don't those have like some sort of fur or faux fur in them? I wonder if that would um, slow down the airflow around it and kind of work as like a uh, um, you know something that that stopped the you have flow. Have to like, shave it. Yeah, a, shave, <laughs> a shaved ugg could be entered in the competition. <laughs> what else? Anything else? Like, would a croc work? Like, I don't know much about crocs.
1: No, crocs those, have like holes in them.
0: Okay. Yeah. Probably Wouldn't not that dead. that would like
1: prevent know. it? Right.
0: I don't know. I I have no idea. Uh, Okay, so Crocs are bad. Wait,
1: how far did you say he threw the cleat?
0: Okay, so here's the thing. I'll send you this clip if you want to put this in uh, the episode. But the referee actually said, after they talked about it, he said something, I'm paraphrasing, but something to the effect of um, unsportsmanlike conduct, 15-yard penalty on the defense for throwing the LSU player's cleat 20 yards down the field. To the play. A conduct, number 11 of the defense throwing the LSU player 20 yards down the field
1: sport, uh- i love how specific he is
0: <laughs> It was very much like a Madden game. Like he's given him the business kind of thing. Like it was very weird. Um, But I mean, there was no angle because what was weird about this game too, is that it was being played in the middle of fog. So like, it was very hard to see. And like you, I don't know that we ever saw where the shoe landed and we were kind of lucky that we even got a shot of him actually throwing it, but he threw his cleat and lost the game and potentially a chance to go to the college football playoff. Now I I admit I even tweeted this afterwards like I feel for the kid. Like I yeah. mean he, first off he's a college football player. Like it was a dumb boneheaded thing to do but like I'm not even worried about like other people giving him crap because that's part of it. But like I right. just I'm sure this kid feels so bad. Like he was in the moment. He was excited. And Dan Mullen described it as a football play. And I don't, he didn't, I don't understand. It sounded worse. It sounded worse out of context, like out of context. It makes it sound like he was doing something in regard to playing. Like it was part of the tackle and he just happened to throw it, which it clearly wasn't. But in like the full context of the statement, it was just more like, he was excited. It, he didn't pull, like, and it's pretty clear from the replay that he didn't pull his shoe off on purpose. Like, he had just grabbed him by the leg, and, like, as he was trying to pull, he pulled his shoe off. Um, and he happened to have the shoe, and he was just excited. They made a huge stop, and he just, like, reacted and threw it. Um, and I get that. Like, I think that's probably true. Like, I don't think it was meant to taunt Cole Taylor or LSU. So you just feel bad for the kid. It's, it's hilarious, and I'm never not going to laugh about it. But I still feel bad a bit, uh, a bit for Marco Wilson because this is something that, is probably gonna haunt him to certain degrees for the rest of
1: yeah, the Yeah, but do we really think they're they even have a chance against Alabama? Like they're gonna get no, blown out and then not. it's not even gonna matter.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna matter. I, I and obviously it's you can't say, well, if they would have won this game, you know, if they how they approach the SEC championship game is completely different now than it would have been. So you can't say the outcome of the game this Saturday would have been the same if they'd won the game. But I don't don't think that there's any chance that they could have beaten Alabama. I think Alabama is by far the best team in college football. But still, it's the thought that like, hey, you never know on any given Saturday what could have happened. So sucks for that. Still funny. (laughs) Still hilarious. Still absolutely (laughs) hilarious. Speaking of ridiculous topics that we're going to discuss today that are only tangentially related to football, Ohio (laughs) State does have a football game this coming Saturday, we think as they will take on the number 14 as of recording that that might change because they released the college football playoff rankings um in the evening after we record on Tuesday but the current number 14 Northwestern Wildcats in the Big 10 championship game at noon weird on yeah. on Fox and we don't break down games on this show we will do that in other uh, in other podcasts but instead what we wanted to do Tia is go through the unbelievable list of famous alumni of Northwestern University. So um, many. It's, it's absolutely absurd how many famous people went there. How did you do this? Do you have a list of five? Did we p- say we're going to pick five and then we're going to rank them together? Yes. Okay. Before we do that, I want to run through just some of the other names um, that are in here as well. Um I don't think Rachel Nichols is gonna get any any love in our list. I love Rachel Nichols. I think she is the best at what she does in ESPN's basketball coverage. Yep. A ton of sports journalism people, J.A. Adande, Kevin Blankistone Rich Eisen, Mike Greenberg, John Heyman, Cassidy Hubbarth, Brent Musburger, Nichols, Dave Revson, uh Adam Rittenberg, Darren Ravel. Ah, uh, you can believe him. Uh the great uh late Craig Sager, Mike, uh, uh, Michael Wilbon is in there. Then you've actually got like Uh, Daryl Morey and Jerry Reinsdorf and Otto Graham. There's also people like the political reporter John Heilman, NPR host Ira Glass, Game of Thrones uh, author and creator, George R.R. R. Martin. And then like mystery novel writers, Jillian Flynn, Laura Lippman, One of my favorite TV actresses uh, that nobody really knows who she is. She was on the West Wing and then on a show called Grim Claire Coffee, I love Claire Coffee. There's a ton of theater people that I won't bore you with, but just some phenomenal ones. Like there are so many people. That went to Northwestern. It's. Absurd. I'm like
1: genuinely impressed with your name recognition because when I'm going through this list, <laughs> I have to like hover my mouse over the the name because then a picture pops up and I'm like, oh, I know that person, but I I can't connect names to people like you can.
0: I will tell it's you, very I- impressive. I went through the list of, like, the theater, like, of all, like, the entertainers, and, like, half of them are theater people, and, like, these are all, like, my people. Heather Headley, Kate Baldwin, Craig Bierko, Stephanie Diabruzzo, Greg Edelman, Michael Greif, Brian Darcy James, Adam Cantor, Katrina Link, Laura Lenny, Paul Lynn, John Cameron Mitchell, Megan Mullally, Dennis O'Hara, Walter Kerr. There's a theater named after Walter (laughs) Kerr, the Walter Kerr Theater. Lydia Diamond, Michael Shannon. I mean, there's a ton. There are just so, so many. Um, but anyway, we are going to do this. We each have picked five. I've got a few backups in case we overlap. We're going to make our brief case for each one of them. And then we're going to try to rank them one through 10. Uh, does that sound fair to you, Tia? Yeah. All right. Why don't you start off? Why don't you just pick one in no particular order and make a quick 20, 30 second case for why they should be ranked highly or not.
1: So this is the. Only person that I knew went to Northwestern without having to look it up.
0: and <laughs> I, that's who, I, I feel like I know who this is. Meghan Markle. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I, I, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Go Yeah, for yeah.
1: It. So she got her bachelor's there in 2003. Um, if you don't know who Meghan Markle is, she... Well, first, she was most famous for her show, Suits. If you haven't watched Suits, I might recommend it at the end of the show. It's a great show. And then she married Prince Harry... Yeah. So she married Prince Harry. They were a part of this big ordeal where Meghan no longer wanted to be royal. And so she, I mean, historically just like left the castle. And now she and Harry and her son, Archie, are living in California I mean the balls that you have to have to leave the queen of England like
0: <laughs> yeah and the, yeah and despite the fact that they officially left the monarchy they did keep their titles so her actual official name is now Meghan the Duchess of Sussex so like that automatically like yeah. puts you high up on the list and what's great about it is is that like royalty don't have children they have issues they call them they, her issue is Archie Mountbatten Windsor is uh, the name of her son, which is just like a whole like other
1: I S S U E issue.
0: Issue, yeah, I S S U E is is what they call the child of of royalty.
1: That's awful. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know it's very bizarre. It is very 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 bizarre. But, but
1: I'm pretty sure Northwestern is like the only school who can say that they have a Duchess as an alum.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. What's great about <laughs> the, the Chicago media, especially the Chicago Tribune, they uh- – and other papers too, but they always couch everything as local. So when Megan became or like left the monarchy and like became a private citizen again and moved, there <laughs> the headline of the article was something like "Northwestern alum and husband <laughs> oh, yeah. leave England to move to California." That like, was I love that stuff. That is just so. That is like the petty. Funny, intelligent level that I hope that land grant Holy land can, can be someday. So, okay. So we have Megan, the Duchess of Sussex on the list. I'm going to go my first one with, um, uh, Stephen Colbert. He obviously not only started as a, as a comedian doing a lot of sketch comedy, then turned, into a late night talk show host first on the uh, satire show, The Colbert Report*, uh, and then eventually taking over on the late show on CBS. He has won nine primetime Emmy Awards, two Grammys and two Peabody's. He also hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, with his book, I Am America and So Can You. Um, he also has an ice cream named after him. So um, I am going to throw out the name of one Stephen Tyrone Colbert, graduate <laughs> of Northwestern University in 1986. He was on my list too. Okay. But Sorry.
1: That's okay. Right. I have a
0: backup. Okay, good. Go ahead. What, what do you have next? Okay,
1: my next one is David Schwimmer, best known for his part as Ross On Friends.
0: Only known for his part as Ross.
1: (laughs) He was on Madagascar as well. I think he played the voice of like the giraffe. Loved him in Madagascar.
0: (laughs) And he was on the TV show on TNT and like movies, the librarian series. So And
1: he was Rob Kardashian in that OJ documentary.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very fair, very fair.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much only known for Ross. But that just brings me to this. Okay. So Ross is like the most hated character on Friends, and I feel like I don't think that's fair. You've seen Friends, right?
0: Yeah, but I wasn't I wasn't huge into it. I, I mean, I just know that him yelling we were on a break is probably not the justification that he. Yeah, thinks no
1: is. i I don't agree with that part. Like they, yeah, he messed up. That's all I'll say about that. But like otherwise, I find his character. <laughs> he's kind of just always sad. And I feel bad for him. And I don't know why people hate him so much. Like, I know that he cheated on Rachel and he was like, he wasn't a great boyfriend. But my hottest take, I think, is that Ross is like one of the funniest characters on Friends. Okay.
0: Uh, That... That's a and hot take. And a
1: lot of people will come yeah, for that. That is a hot that. take. Yeah. That
0: is very, very much a, a hot take. But I think that people in there, you know, if they give them some truth, Serum, they will probably agree so. with you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> next up. This is the last one on my list that I'm worried that we could overlap on. So I want to do it early and give you more time to find another replacement if you need a second one. But my next one is the absolute comedic legend, Julia Louis Dreyfus. And she graduated. She is
1: not, but um, I almost put her on there. Okay,
0: good. She graduated from Northwestern in 1982. She, of course, um, was originally uh, a a cast member on Saturday Night Live, then became super famous on Seinfeld, then had her own sitcom, The New Adventures of Old Christine, and then kind of even accelerated her Her comedic status with Veep on HBO. She is one of the most decorated actresses in American television history, winning more Emmy awards and more Screen Actors Guild awards than any other performer, tying Cloris Leachman for the most acting wins. Um, She has 11 Emmys, uh, eight for acting, three for producing. She's got a Golden Globe, nine Screen Actors Guild, five American Comedy Awards, two Critics' Choice Awards. She's a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She was inducted into the Television uh, Academy Hall of Fame. Um, She also has received the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. She is a legend. It also doesn't hurt. That your father is a billionaire. Yeah. I was Uh, just about to say. (laughs) Uh, Her father is French-born shipping magnate Gerard Louis-Dreyfus. And um, they are super, super, super rich. So that's certain.
1: Yeah. It says his net worth was estimated at $3.4 billion. Good for him. Good for him.
0: So who do you have next?
1: Okay. uh, Let's see. Clinton Kelly.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely would never have been on my list, but I'm here for it. All right, let's go.
1: (laughs) Okay, he got his master's there in 93. I don't, I know he's in a lot, but he, why I love him is what not to wear, which my mom and I used to watch religiously. Like, I don't think we've missed an episode, but he makes it like, just so much better. He's so dramatic. He like <laughs> pumps these women up because they they have like such low self esteem and they don't know how to dress and all this. And he just is so great in that. So I've been like a fan ever since. I think I've been a fan of him since I was like ten.
0: Okay, that's good. He was also one of the hosts of the ABC show The Chew, yes, that which too. he was on for a long time, um, which always came on before General Hospital. So you know, everyone knows my love of that. Um, <laughs> so uh, so yeah, Clint and Kelly. That's a good one. Um, my next one um, is a 1956 graduate of Northwestern, one Gary Marshall. Now, I love
1: him too. Did you really? I was excited about that one.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. It's okay. It's too fine. bad. Okay. Um, <laughs> Gary Marshall is a another comedy uh, legend. He did everything from like he wrote for the Dick Van Dyke Show. He wrote for the Lucy Show. He directed the Odd Couple TV show, um, but he's also, you know, perhaps most known for creating Happy Days and all of its various sitcoms. He directed Pretty Woman, Beaches, Runaway Bride, um, Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, Mother's Day, The Princess Diaries. Um, his sister, Penny Marshall, is also a, a legend as well. There is a theater Uh, In Los Angeles, named after him the the Gary Marshall Theater. He also co-wrote the musical version of of Pretty Woman that appeared on Broadway a couple years ago. It was not very good, but my friend Alan was in it, so whatever. But just an absolute legend, a great guy, and somebody that Northwestern alums should be very proud of. Yeah,
1: I was excited about that one because Princess Diaries and Pretty Woman and New Year's Eve and all those, like... Corny rom-coms that always come out every year are some of my favorite
0: movies. I gotta tell you, this might be a hot take, but I've only seen, like, of the Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, I think maybe I've seen more than one, but I know I've seen Valentine's Day because I gotta tell you, like, I was impressed with Taylor Swift's acting ability in Valentine's Day. Same. Like, I... Like, I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan. I'm not a, an anti-Taylor Swift person. But, um, like, when I saw that movie, and it's old now. Like, that was a 10 years uh, ten years ago. Like, I was like, oh, she's funny. Yeah. Like, she's legit funny. So I've got uh, Gary Marshall as my third. Who is your fourth? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: So I just looked because you took two of mine, which is fine. But I stumbled upon John Musker. I did not know this man before.
0: Oh, I have no Um, idea. But
1: it says he was a supervising animator for the Disney films, Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, The Aristocats. I thought I saw Little Mermaid. I think he was he did something with The Little Mermaid, too.
0: Yeah, he's a producer as well. Yeah, he's he's him and his partner, Ron Clements, like his fellow director, like they co-directed a ton of those the reboot of Disney animated films, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, Princess and the Frog, even Moana. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was
1: like the remakes of those?
0: No, 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 no. No, the original ones. Yeah, like the 1989 Little Mermaid, 92 Aladdin. Like he directed and produced and wrote those with his uh, writing partner, Ron Clements. You will actually, I think, and this is, again, I didn't prepare for this, but I feel like him and his partner, Ron Clements, are like included as like, Easter egg characters in a few movies as well. Don't quote me yeah, on that. Yeah, that wouldn't
1: surprise. Don't me. quote
0: me on that because I don't. I'm just pulling this out of my butt, but I feel like that's true. Um. All right, that's a good one. Going off the reservation there with John Musker. I'm yeah. going to continue off the reservation, and I'm going to talk about Agnes Nixon, who graduated from Northwestern in 1944. She died in 2016 at the age of 93. Um, Gary Marshall also died in 2016, um, but she. Won five Writers Guild of America Awards, five Daytime Emmy Awards, and received the 2010 Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Academy of Television, Arts, and Sciences. She is often referred to as the Queen of the Modern Soap Opera. Mm -hmm. She she created the soap operas One Life to Live, All My Children, and Loving – Um, As I've talked about before, some of these shows were what I grew up on, uh, especially All My Children, which was my mom's favorite forever. Um, So she started that show in 1970 after One Life to Live was started in the mid 60s. This was a woman creating television in the 60s and 70s that not only was popular, but lasted for decades into the 2000s and really revolutionizing an entire industry and uh, I think that while her name might not be as well known as some of the other people that uh, are on this alumni list for Northwestern, I think the impact that Agnes Nixon had on television is just as profound as anybody else. All right. If my numbers are correct, you should have one left, right? Yes.
1: So, okay. The one that I had on my list is Daphne Maxwell-Reed because I saw The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Okay. And the only downside is, <laughs> you know how they switched Vivian's.
0: Oh yeah, do I ever? Yeah,
1: so she was the second one, and I liked oh. the first one better. Uh, but
0: th- she's hold on on the list. Real quick, just to throw this in because this you want me to do it every week. I've never interviewed the original Aunt Viv, but my friend Lisa is her publicist, so. <gasps> Uh so there you go. Wow. 1 degree of separation from the original Aunt Viv. And the Aunt Viv recently recurred on General Hospital as um an Alzheimer's patient. So, there you go.
1: You know, you know how you do like those college like icebreakers? You yes. would have so many.
0: <laughs> oh, you have no idea. No idea. I
1: want to do one other shout out because I think this is super cool. Um Cindy Chupac I'm saying that right? I don't know who that is. I I, I didn't know who she was either, but she was a writer and producer for Sex and the City, Modern Family, and Everybody Loves Raymond.
0: Those are good credentials. Those are good credentials. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to end on somebody who, I don't know if you know his name, but I guarantee you know his face and his voice. His name is uh, Jerry Orbach. He is a 1950 member of the class of 1956, although he did not graduate, but I'm still counting him anyway. Um, he was originally a Broadway actor. He originated the role of El Gallo in the longest-running musical ever, the off-Broadway show The Fantastics. He later went on to originate the role of Billy Flynn in Chicago on Broadway and Julian Marsh in 42nd Street, as well as winning a Tony Award um, for playing Chuck Baxter in Promises, Promises. But he is most known... For his work on screen, first off, for twelve years he played the role of Detective Lenny Briscoe on Law and Order, and he is the voice of Lumiere in the original Beauty and the Beast. So yes, so if you've ever watched those old Law and Orders um, with Lenny Briscoe, the old older guy, the older detective. Um, he is also the voice of Lumiere. So, uh...
1: Wait, Lenny Briswine... Oh, yeah! That is the
0: voice of Lumiere.
1: <gasps> My mind is blown.
0: <laughs> and his partner for a lot of the years on Law & Order was Jesse L. Martin. Um, I don't remember what his... What his character name was, but the actor's name was Jesse L. Martin, who is also a musical theater guy. He, um, was one of the original stars of Rent. He's now on The Flash on The CW... Um, I'm looking it up. He played Ed Green on Law & Order for nine years. Lots of singing and dancing stuff probably happening behind the scenes between (laughs) Lenny Briscoe and Ed Green's uh, actors backstage. So there's actually a theater and a street named after Jerry Orbach in New York City around Times Square. Um, So Jerry Orbach is one of my favorites. So I'm including Jerry
1: Orbach. Wow. My mind is blown.
0: All right. So I don't know how in the hell we're going to rank these. but. don't either. (laughs) Okay. So, real quick, your five were Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, David Schwimmer, Clinton Kelly, Daphne Reed, and John Musker. Mine were Stephen Colbert, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Gary Marshall, Agnes Dixon, and Jerry Orbach. I am going to say, with no offense to Aunt Viv number two, I'm going to put Daphne Reed at number 10. Do you think that's fair?
1: Yeah, solely because I kind of just found her by the Fresh Fresh Prince of Bel-Air title.
0: Okay. All right. So, she's at number 10. Um... What do you think about number nine? Where would you like to go?
1: Hmm. Maybe Clinton Kelly. He's a little less accomplished than the rest
0: of them. I think that's fair. He's fun. Right. He's a cool addition, but, but not necessarily as well known. I will go ahead and put one of mine in at number eight, even though I think her impact is... Huge. Uh, I don't think that she has necessarily the name recognitions that the others do. So I will go ahead and put Agnes Nixon in at number eight.
1: Okay, let's do Schwimmer at seven. Okay. C- similar to Clinton Kelly, not as many, you know,
0: yeah. accomplishments. Yeah, and he cheated on exactly. Uh That's fair. We're getting into the nitty gritty here. Um, I will go ahead and put... As much as I love him, um, he's my favorite on this list. I feel like Jerry Orbach should go in here at number six uh, because he it was famous, did a bunch of stuff. Um, Beauty and the Beast, obviously, is hugely important. All the theater stuff is great. But his biggest thing like, that people know him from is, is Law and Order, which is fine, but it's not a hugely impactful thing. You know what I mean? Right.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: Okay, so we're now in the top five. Okay,
1: so my thing is, I th- I think I have a top two, so I'm trying to avoid putting them in here, but it's like, these are all really good. Let's put John Musker, aka the producer of like Aristocats and Lady and the Tramp and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next, just to keep like the Disney, the Disney guys
0: together. That's fair, that's fair. So th- our four remaining ones are... Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, Gary Marshall, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and Stephen Colbert. This one's tough. I feel like this might be controversial, but I am going to put Stephen Colbert at number four. Hugely impactful, um, very funny, very important in our society, but I feel like his impact has gone down a lot, like his cultural relevancy has gone down, believe it or not, since moving From Comedy Central to CBS. Like, he's had his moments, and he's done very well during the pandemic, apparently, and especially with, like, taking on Trump and stuff. But, like, he's not as, like, he's, like, in the zeitgeist of our modern discussions. Like, I don't think he is as big as he was when the Colbert rapport was still a thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. My grandma would hit you if she heard you say that, but I agree with you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair. If your grandma needs to hit me, that's fine. All right, so that leaves us with Julia Louis Dreyfus, Gary Marshall, and Megan, the Duchess of Sussex. I, I feel like I, I feel like Gary Marshall needs to go third. He was great. He was important. He's done a ton of stuff, and this is like your number three on on the alumni of Northwestern. Yeah. Like that's a big deal. But the the like the awards recognition never came for him as much as maybe some other people um, did. A bunch of great stuff. Huge. Like his. I mean. He did developed all the spinoffs of Happy Days, which included Mork and Mindy, which is where um, Robin Williams was really discovered. Oh, wow. So, like that's huge in and of itself. But you know, it, it's a it's TV sitcoms. Yeah. Like you know, you created some stuff, and that's fine. Um, and later in his career, he didn't have as much success. So I I feel like Gary Marshall, as great as he is, is should be slotted in at number.
1: Yeah, especially three. because of the amount of awards you told me Julia won. Like, I had no idea. Oh, my God. And then what Meghan Markle did was quite literally, like, heroic (laughs) and historic. historic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to list these two. You do it.
0: (laughs) Okay. I... Okay, so here's the thing. In the Primetime Emmy Awards, Julia Lee Dreyfus was nominated in 1992, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98... 2006 2007 2008 2009 2010 then going over to veep 2012 13 14 15 16 17 and then uh 19 she actually took herself out of the 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 competition in 2018 um but she won in 96 for seinfeld 2006 for new adventures of old christine and then won one two three four five six seven eight (laughs) nine for veep Um, For me, I think she is television royalty. So for me, I think she is number one. It also helps that she could probably buy her own kingdom if she (laughs) wanted to. So like the royalty thing doesn't sway me as much for Megan because she is royalty Julie Louise Dreyfus like either is or could be if she wanted to be. So I think Meghan the Duchess of Sussex who I think um is actually a very good actress um, um but a great humanitarian and doing amazing things and took a huge bold step with with Harry to leave the day-to-day full-time responsibilities of the monarchy. So I'm going to go Meghan the Duchess of Sussex at 2 and Julie Louise Dreyfus as the number 1 Northwestern alum on the Land Grant Holy Land Stick to Sports ranking. So uh, I feel good about that. I, I really do.
1: I do, too, because I think we did the rankings based off of number of accomplishments or, like, award list. And, I mean, she wins it a thousand times over. Like, no offense to Meghan Markle, but she doesn't have yeah. that many accomplishments.
0: Yeah, I mean, she married into the royal family of, of the United Kingdom in England. So that's a big deal. But, like... Julie B. Dreyfus is Julie louis Dreyfus. Yeah. So here are my two backups that I didn't have to do, just in case you picked some that I had. One, I will just tell you who it is, and the other one, I'm going to make you guess. The first one, okay. um, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to make you guess. This is her name is Kate Schindel. She graduated um, from Northwestern in 1999. She's actually originally from Toledo. She was um, the 1998 Miss America. She is also uh, a Broadway performer, and she is actually the president of the Actors' Equity Association, which is the, the union for stage actors and stage managers. So, like, she's, like, Miss America TV and film and, and oh, Broadway yeah. performer uh, and also a union head. So pretty good for her. The, oth- the other one, let me see if you, if you can figure this one out. He was actually born in Highgate, Middlesex, England. He um, went to Tulane as an undergrad before getting his law degree at Northwestern in 1968. He went on to be a um, a television, uh, a local TV news anchor before running for mayor, became mayor of Cincinnati, then had to leave office because he wrote a personal check for a prostitute. Then went on to host one of the most revolting yet popular television daytime talk shows ever and is now a judge on a TV court show. Do you know who this person is, Jerry Springer. That is Jerry Springer, yes. Um, (laughs) Jerry Springer, former mayor (laughs) of Cincinnati. And I might have gotten some of the details uh, confused in there, but... Um, yeah, wrote a check to a prostitute with his own name. The uh, I did
1: not know that. Yeah, I mean, part. I think
0: it was technically a massage parlor. Oh, and in the memo line, it was just written for services rendered. Um, God. You know, so like, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, Jerry.
1: Wait, can we please just take a moment? Because I just came across... Tracy Page Johnson, a.k.a. the creator of Blue's Clues. <gasps> that was my favorite check, show. Check.
0: While you're on when Wikipedia, check when Blue's Clues started.
1: 96.
0: I was in high school, so you were five. I was five. Two. I was, I mean, depending on if it was in the spring or the fall, I was either a freshman or sophomore.
1: So I can understand why you didn't watch, I guess. <laughs>
0: No idea who that person is. Anyway. All right, Tia, let's move on and wrap up a few things on our show. We are now, I can't believe we buried it this long. We probably should have done it earlier, but we are now at the point where we have a champion in our 2020 chip championship bracket. I will really quickly run through the semifinal results and then the finals. Um, none of them were all that close, no. Tia. In our matchup of our potato and tortilla regions, number one Ruffles defeated number three Tostitos Cantina by a score of fifty-nine point eight to forty point two. Then in our flavored versus chip adjacent regions, original I mean, are you sitting down? Like, are you feeling okay here? Original Doritos beat bold checks mix, both number one seeds, eighty-two point nine to seventeen point one percent. Are you okay? Did you need to like talk to somebody about this defeat? Yeah.
1: I mean, I knew Doritos was going to win, but, like, come on. You're telling me nobody likes bold Chex Mix?
0: I think they do because, I mean, it won the last one, but, like, Doritos were such a Goliath. Like, they are Duke basketball. They're
1: good. I mean, don't get me wrong.
0: (laughs) So that means that we had number one Doritos versus number one Ruffles in the finals, and the finals just ended, like... The minute that we started recording and in the finals, the winner is number one Doritos by a score of seventy five point nine percent to Ruffles twenty four point one. I mean, that is an absolute butt kicking. Yeah. And I think that means that we found our champion like Doritos is clearly the most popular chip. Based like, off no of our scientific it. No, not yeah, even close. Yeah.
1: I mean, if if you showed me the full bracket when we first started this, I think I would have guessed Doritos as like the winner.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, Tia. So let's move on to this week's recommendations. I'm gonna go ahead and start off because mine is a little self serving. Um, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before, mm-hmm. but on Monday, December 14th, this past Monday. There was a new radio play released called Twas the Night. It was released um, both in the feed of the Cast, which is the unof- which is the official unofficial podcast of the musical Hamilton. Um, it is also available on twasthenightplay.com. It was um, written and directed by Michael Paul Smith who also stars. It is executive produced by Jillian Pensavalli, but it features the the voice talents of the original George Washington and Hamilton, Chris Jackson. It also features um, current um, Hamilton star and Tony winner, James Monroe Iglehart, who played the genie in Aladdin on Broadway. Um, it stars Nick Walker, who is in the uh, the cast of Ain't Too Proud on Broadway. The Temptations musical has Anissa Folds in it as well. Fergie Al-Philippe, who's a Hamilton alum. Lexi Garcia, Eddie Lee. Great people. It's a modern telling of Twas the Night Before Christmas. Uh, and... Uh, I edited it. I did the editing and the um, sound effects for it. So it is very fun. I had never done anything like this before. I had no idea what I was doing. It was an absolute mess, but it sounds great. I think it ended up being really, really good. Um, it is done for a um, it's done to benefit the Actors Fund, which is a social services charity that helps not only actors, which is in the name, but basically anybody who works in entertainment behind the scenes, on screen, on stage, um, people who work like in the administrative side of it, of of entertainment as well. So if you want to get it from the Hamelcast Cast podcast feed or go to twasthenightplay.com and if you are so inclined and able to do so um we would appreciate making it anybody making a donation to the actors. that's amazing it's really fun it's really really great and mike is uh michael paul smith is is the guy who wrote it he's a great writer and i've loved his stuff for a long time so i was very pleased and very happy to be a can part you of get it
1: on spotify
0: i am sure yeah like, the if you go to the hamblecast feed it's on spotify yeah, oh, yeah. cool twasthenightplay.com is also where you can get it. So that's my recommendation, self-serving as it may yeah, be. Yeah,
1: but I mean, if you edited something like that,
0: it, it was a lot you of have work. to recommend it. It was a lot of damn work.
1: Mine isn't as good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Okay, Go ahead.
1: My recommendation is Blue's Clues. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I
0: literally thought you were serious I know we recommend-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know we've recommended this already, but... I have to give my two cents in now that I've watched enough episodes, and that's Uh The Masked Singer. (laughs)
0: Yes!
1: (laughs) Okay, I know we're going to do like a full-blown show dedicated to this, so I won't get too into it, but...
0: Yeah, next I don't know
1: what it is. Okay, I watched the first episode, and I was like, okay, this is fun. And then I'm on like episode five, and I'm like, okay, I'm addicted. (laughs) can't stop watching it. And I don't, it's hard to explain unless like you've actually sat down and watched it because when you see the commercials, you're just like, what is this stupidity? But it's like the good kind of stupidity. Even if you don't know who the person is under the mask, it's just so entertaining. Like every single second of the show is entertaining.
0: Yeah, so often I have no idea who the people are. Like, they, they, a couple no. seasons ago or last season or something, spoiler alert, Jojo Siwa was somebody. I had no idea who she was. I don't know
1: who that is either, but I, I keep seeing her yeah, pop she's up thing. in various places. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know if she, if she was like a, I feel like she might have been like an. Like a X Games athlete turned singer yeah. turned host. I, some of that might be incorrect, but like she hosted a show with Nick Cannon at one point. So he like knew it was her right away. But so many people, like I have no idea who these people are, but it's still fun. Or even if I know who they are, I'm like, how in the hell was I supposed to right. guess?
1: Oh, the clues. Yeah. And then X. just like, I think my favorite part is hearing the judges just stretch all of these clues to the point where it's like oh my
0: god Ken but yeah,
1: i know but i'm still like nodding like oh yeah you're right you're right
0: <laughs> yeah i here this is something that if you go back and watch the first season or so robin thick was super technical in like breaking down the vocal stuff and he was able to like name the singers like the people who are actual singers like Oh, wow. Oddly early. Like, he was able to get it, like, super early. And I was like, oh, okay. Then, from that season on, he doesn't break down, like, the vocal singing at all anymore. And there will be a lot of times when you can go through an entire episode of The Masked Singer where they don't show any of Robin's guesses.
1: What is that? Which
0: makes me I feel like it's because he's the best guesser on the show and they don't want to give it away too early or they edit it out. You know, like they, they I'm sure they film a guess from everybody and then they just edit out how they want it to be. Um, but he would like break down people, and I love that because like I want to hear from him and yeah. Nicole, who are like the two singers, being like, "Oh, I know that voice quality," or mm, "They can't be that person. He can't right. hit those notes. That's not something that he can do." Like I want to hear that level of like expert knowledge, not just like, "Well, he has yeah. a <laughs> tattoo of a bell, and there was a bell in the truelove pack," which is fine, but like I want to hear them break yeah, the actual stuff down. Because as someone who
1: like just started watching this season. I would say that Robin Thicke is the worst guesser. Like, that's how they show it. No, yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah, he's great. I mean, he's real I mean, they're all, other than Ken, Ken's horrible. But the (laughs) other ones are all, like, fairly decent because they have their different, like, knowledge bases and like Jenny McCarthy's good. She's insane, yeah. but she's good. Um Nicole Scherzinger, like there's a reason that Nick Cannon calls her Sherlock yeah. Scherzinger because like she's like pretty good at figuring some of these things out. But like Robin is generally like in my opinion early on was like the best, but they've like started showing him less over the seasons because I feel like they don't want to either that either they don't want him to spoil things too early or he's like gotten progressively worse either one but like he's been very good <laughs> at times so real quick who was the last character that you remember that got voted off um,
1: character the broccoli
0: oh okay so you're fairly like that's fairly far along in the season Um so yeah I think I only the, have
1: like Three.
0: Okay. You can you can skip the holiday episode. I didn't even watch the holiday episode. Yeah. Because yeah, that, I'm gonna skip that that wasn't a competitive one. Like there were the judges weren't even on. So so yeah. All right, we're going to talk with uh Alexis Chasen and um Connor LeMons next week uh, after the finale airs we thought about doing it this week that was the original plan but like we record on tuesdays but it airs on thursdays but the finale is on wednesday so it's like that doesn't make any sense to like record something before we know who won and then it airs after the final came out so we'll right. record it next week and that'll give us something to talk about after the big 10 championship game as well so um i'm excited that's great i'm glad that you appreciate the idiocy of the masked singer team.
1: <laughs> i do i really do
0: all right, that is all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lane Grant Holy Land Stick to Sports Podcast. If you are finding this episode on our website, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your daily dose of podcasting goodness. And if you like the particular brand of weirdness that we are supplying here at Stick to Sports, please leave the Lane Grant Podcast feed a rating and review, but only do it if you're going to give us five stars. Otherwise, don't be a dick. Um, also, follow Lane Grant Holy Land on Twitter at grant 33 and you can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt. Instagram too if you want. I don't post there very often, but I'm there too. Tia, where are the 19 different social media places that people can find you? Oh my
1: gosh. Cam just made fun of me about that because I have so many accounts.
0: Um, Yeah, you do. Like, it's like every week you have a new one.
1: (laughs) Okay, you can follow me personally on both Twitter and Instagram at Tia Johnston underscore. You can follow my dogs at Buddy and Bella underscore. And you can follow my store, which is at antiques for your home
0: and i have bought a couple things off there that's like that's not a bit yeah. for the show like i've literally bought some things off there so i'm more like i'm not like that the stuff that you've been putting up like that's not normally my style i like other kind of weird eccentricity antiques so if you find some of those keep them in mind because uh you'll, oh, you'll have a buyer in that Perfect. as well thank you for all of the 0.75 <laughs> of you that are still listening we will talk to you soon and as always go bucks